Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of John. Let's begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, in your grace you have gathered us into your flock and brought us into your kingdom. We pray this day, Lord Jesus, that you would teach us what it means to have you as our good shepherd, that we might be found as faithful sheep. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Today in our reading from the Gospel of John on this Good Shepherd Sunday, we really hear some of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture. Let's listen to some of those verses again here and see what great comfort we can find in them. Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep. And he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. These are comforting words indeed. It's actually for us one of the great images we have in the scripture of Jesus that gives us a great deal of comfort. So much so here, even in the sanctuary, we can look at the stained glass behind me and there we see the good shepherd gathering his lambs together. It's a beautiful picture. We love this image of Jesus. It gives us comfort. But I don't want you to misunderstand me today. When I say that Jesus' words give us comfort, I don't mean that these words make us comfortable. I do think there is a distinction here. Because as we look at this passage a little more closely, we come to find that the life of the sheep is not a comfortable life in this world. To be a sheep is to have a rather uncomfortable existence. And there is much in this passage that might make us uncomfortable. First and foremost, simply being called a sheep. We like to think of sheep as cute and cuddly, fluffy little animals, but actually they're kind of gross and they're not all that sharp. (laughs) Sheep are prone to wander, they're weak, and they're vulnerable. Further, there are many in this world who would love uh, to take the sheep in that they might use the sheep for their own ends. Jesus talks today about hired hands. Hired hands who come along and do nothing for the sheep, but simply take from the sheep, use them. But when things get tough and when the sheep are under attack from what we see here today called wolves, the hired hands flee. And this shows us that sheep are vulnerable vulnerable to the attacks of wolves. They cannot protect themselves. So to be sure, we take great comfort that we have a good shepherd who is not like the hired hand and who drives the wolves away. Nonetheless, these are the realities we face as sheep in this world. And it is not a comfortable life. So what I want to do today is I want to look at these sort of three aspects of the life of a sheep that Jesus has given to us today and recognize from them why it is so important for us to know that we do have a good shepherd who comforts us in this rather uncomfortable way of life. First thing is, as we mentioned already, Jesus calls us sheep. And again, that's not like an endearing compliment Jesus is paying to us. Sheep are prone to wander. They are weak. They are vulnerable, as we've said already. What's more, sheep... Well, they're kind of driven by their appetites. 
If you put a sheep in an open field, it's just going to keep eating and eating and following the food to wherever it goes, and it's not going to pay any attention to where it's heading. It's just going to keep following the food until perhaps it leaves the sheepfold altogether and gets lost in the wilderness. The sheep are driven by their appetites, and they need the shepherd there to keep them on course, to keep them back with the flock. I think this is one aspect of being a sheep that is very appropriate when it comes to describing our way of life in this world. Because we are a people who are driven by our appetites, who are driven by our desires. Now this is not to say that our appetites and our desires are all necessarily bad. In fact, many of our appetites and our desires are good. Uh, They're given to us by God and it's part of what it means to be a creature. There are needs that we have that God wants to provide for us and he wants to take care of us. And those desires and appetites are to be directed in a certain way according to God's will. But far too often what happens for us is those appetites and desires become the ultimate thing and the primary thing. And the goal of our life is to satisfy those desires. The goal of our life is to uh, satisfy our appetites, to fill our bellies. And what ends up happening is our appetites become our idols and our gods. And we begin to pursue them more as they consume us. Suddenly, we're never satisfied. We never have enough. We're driven by our bellies. We're just following the grass wherever it takes us, even if it's going to take us away from the fold and into dangerous situations. What's more, we're living in a day and age in which we are defined by our appetites. What's the old phrase? You are what you eat. You are what you desire. You are whatever it is you want to be and whatever it is your heart tells you that you are, you are defined by what you want. Such selfishness and self-serving that resides in our hearts has proven to be rather dangerous in this world. It It has led us from loving our neighbors and honoring God. When our appetites define us, when our appetites drive us, God and my neighbor exist either, God and my neighbor are there either to affirm me and to give me what my give me what I want, or they can just get out of my way. And that sinful, selfish attitude is now destroying our culture, our families, our friendships, and even our own lives. It is that selfishness that drove Adam and Eve to rebel against God in the garden. And it is that selfishness of wanting to be our own gods that drove us in our sin to put Jesus Christ on the cross. But it is there on that cross that Jesus tells us today something really quite remarkable. Jesus says this, Look, you're not taking my life from me against my will. Nobody takes my life from me. I have the authority to take up my life. And I have the authority to give it. And I have. Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And really, in light of what we just heard, this becomes a rather shocking verse, not just a comforting verse, but really some shocking words from Jesus. Jesus, who has all these sinful, selfish, wayward sheep who are running all over the place, uh, places, decided not to let them die in their sin and not to let them be judged and condemned in their sin, but he's decided to come and lay down his life for the sheep. He's decided to come and lay down his life for you. So nobody takes his life from him. He gives his life of his own accord, and he has laid it down for you so that your sins might be forgiven. 
He has sacrificed his life so that you might be his own, and he has lifted you up and carried you back into his fold with this promise. I forgive you. You are not defined by your sins. You are not defined by your appetites, and you are not defined by your desires. You are defined by Jesus who calls you his own. I know my own, says Jesus, and my own know me. Jesus has purchased you with his precious blood that you might be his own and live with him for all eternity. Jesus, then, is the only hope for wandering sheep in this world. Jesus is the only hope for sinners. Jesus is the only hope for you. But you need to understand there are others who are going to come along and tell you that they have a better hope. There are others who are going to come along and tell you that they can help you meet your desires. You can have your cake and you can eat it too. There are those out there who come along and want to offer you what they will tell you is a better life and a better pasture. These are what Jesus refers to today as the hired hands. The hired hands see in you an opportunity to make money. They see in you problems that need to be fixed, and they've got the formula, they've got the plan to fix it. And for $9.99 and our $12.99, if you get the hardback copy of the book, uh, you can now have everything you want in this life. You just have to pay them for it. And the hired hands will come along, and they will sing sweet songs into your ears, and they will say things that you want to hear. They will tell you that, look, your problems in your life, it's not your fault, you know. It's everybody you've surrounded yourself with. Everybody else is the problem. You're nothing more than the victim. What you need is not to fix anything. You just need to change the scenery. You need to get somewhere where you can be yourself and not have to worry about everybody else around you. What you need is five easy steps to fix your problems or 12 easy steps to fix your problems. And you just follow my formula. You pick up my philosophy. You follow my spiritual guidance. And all of these problems will go away and you will be uh, figuring everything out. And so they sell this to you. And we buy the books and we watch the shows and we follow the videos online. And we do all of this stuff and it works for like two weeks. So you fail. Some of you are like, I haven't made it two weeks. I haven't made it two hours. I mean, then we fail and we fall short. We can't keep up with the regiment and we can't keep up with the program. We change, our, we change the scenery. We find new friends only to find that they're just as sinful as the old friends. And as it turns out, we brought our own sinful hearts with us into those relationships. But the hired hands sell us don't, doesn't work. And so we go back to the hired hands for more help, more assistance. And it gets to the point where we just don't have enough money. It gets to the point where we're just too much of a burden and we're too much of a problem and the hired hand flees because it's not working for them. They don't love you. They're just simply there to use you for their own ends. Jesus was experiencing something like this in his own day with the religious leaders who he's actually preaching to uh, in this text. The, the religious leaders are around Jesus and around the people that Jesus is helping. And Jesus refers to them as hired hands because they have this idea, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, had this belief that if all of the Jews could obey the law perfectly, that is the Torah of God, the first five books of the Old Testament, if they could obey the commandments there perfectly for one day, then the Messiah would come and he would drive out their enemies and he would establish his kingdom in Jerusalem and give all the power in the world to the Jews. So it was up to the Jews to be perfect to get God to come and be their savior. It all depended on them. Now the religious leaders believed this and so they became very legalistic 
and they began to heap burdens on the backs of the people that were impossible for them to carry. And if the people were too sinful or if they were too impure, they weren't following the rules closely enough, they were rejected, they were condemned, they were kicked out of the presence of God, and at times they were even kicked out of the city. They simply wanted to use the people to get God to do what they wanted. So there was no love for the people that they were called to serve, and there was no faith that God was going to be gracious to them. The, the commonality between the religious leaders of those days and the, the sort of uh, self-esteem, self-help gurus in our day is that all they're doing is trying to use you to get what they want out of this life. That is not your good shepherd. Your good shepherd says, I know my own and I own know me. This is the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In other words, Jesus doesn't come to you because he sees something he can use in you and take from you for his own advantage. Jesus comes to give to you. Jesus comes to sacrifice for you. Jesus comes to lay down his life so that you would be forgiven, restored, and redeemed. He's not waiting for you to get your problems all figured out before he starts to love you and welcome you in. No, he comes and he finds you specifically in your sins and in your problems so that he might come to you there and forgive you and carry you out of them back into his fold. The hired hand wants you only so long as he can get something out of you. Jesus loves you and has given everything for your sake, as we like to say around here, by his grace alone. Not because you have anything that he can use for his own advantage. God has everything he needs. He loves you. And he uses everything he has to be your savior. He's not going to flee when things get too difficult. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. This is good to know for the sheep, because we are sheep who live under assault. We are sheep who are, in fact, under attack. And the hired hand comes along, uh, and they leave when things get too difficult, and the attacks get too heavy. When they see the wolf coming, as Jesus says. The sheep are attacked by wolves. The wolf wants to destroy and devour and scatter the sheep. I think it's pretty obvious that the wolf here in the text is going to refer to the devil. And the devil is very happy to have you under the authority of the hired hand because there you are found to be vulnerable. And the devil is very happy to have you wandering off following your appetites because there he can get you by yourself where he can devour you. You see, the devil's entire goal is to get you away from Jesus Christ by any means possible. To get you away from the word of Christ by any means possible. So you stop hearing of God's love for you. You stop hearing of his forgiveness for your sins. And you grow fearful or proud. It's the devil who comes along to you and says, you don't have a need for Jesus. He's the one who's keeping all the good food away from you. And that's just over the hill. Follow me and I'll give you everything you want. You don't need him. You're doing just fine the way you are. That always leads ultimately to despair. When you don't get everything you need, you don't get everything you want, and the devil will then tell you, you know, you know it's your fault. You didn't do it the right way. And Jesus is never going to welcome you back. You're far too sinful. If he knew what you had done here in the wilderness, if he knew the habits that you have, if he knew what was going on in your heart and your mind right now, there would be no welcome for you back into his kingdom. He would kick you out of his fold immediately. If Jesus knew what was going on in your heart, 
he would never love. The devil's deception feels despair and doubt. The devil says if Jesus knew you, he wouldn't welcome you in. And Jesus says, I know you. I know my own and my own know me and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus knows you and he has laid his life down for you. He has sacrificed everything for you. You are never too sinful for Jesus. Now, it might be a half-truth. I mean, the devil deals in deceptions. It might be a half-truth to say that you are too sinful to ever earn your way into the presence of God. There might be a hint of truth in that. You might be too sinful to earn your way into the presence of God. But Jesus is too gracious to keep you out. So that when the devil comes with his lies and tries to put despair in your heart, all you need to do is direct him to your good shepherd who knows exactly where he can send the devil. You have a good shepherd who will never leave you nor forsake you, but has only mercy and grace to show and to give. So as we see, it is no comfortable thing being a sheep. The life of the sheep is not a comfortable life. It is one in which we are weak and wandering in a world of deception and attack. And that is why we take great comfort today in knowing that we have a good shepherd. Dear sheep, you have a good shepherd who knows your name, forgives your sin, and has laid down his life for you. You have a good shepherd who gives you the gift of eternal comfort by his grace alone. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for the grace that you have given to us and that you have laid down your life for us, gathered us into your flock, and called us your sheep. Jesus, you know us by name. You know our sins and our struggles. Help us, Lord, to know your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace. Keep us always in your care. We thank you, Jesus, for being our good shepherd. In your name we pray.